Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Well, we're going to get into the Word. Aren't you thankful for His Word? Psalms 119, you know, just goes over and over and over, different value and uh, different beautiful characteristics of the word. But one thing says his words are better to me than thousands of silver and gold. Isn't that true? His word, if you've ever tasted it and, and it's saved your life or somebody that you love, given you hope where there was no hope, thank God for the word. So, Father, as we approach your word today, we do it reverently and not casually, not a ho-hum. Your word is alive, and we love your word. And so uh, we open our mouths, and you said, open it mouth wide. Open it wide, and I'll fill it. And so, Father, I thank you for a spiritual hunger to take in your word and the help of the Holy Spirit to make these things clearer. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Praise God. All right, let's get on into it. Tony's asked me to minister the word, and that's always such such an honor. And so we're going to look today at uh, a, a promise that was actually given to the Jewish people, Israel, And uh, it is in Isaiah, the 60th chapter. We're going to look at this. And the reason why we, as the body of Christ, are also looking at it is this promise is not given to the world or people who don't know God. This is given to his people. And so, spiritually speaking, we are able to, uh, we're able to actually appreciate and love and embrace and utilize um, many of the promises that are given to the natural people of God, uh, the Jewish people. Uh, spiritually speaking, we can, as the, as the body of Christ, also take advantage of these amazing promises, many of them. And so, we're going to look at Isaiah the 20th chapter or the 60th chapter and verse 1 and 2 in the amplified it says arise so again this is not written to people who do not know God or outside of God these are written to the people of God it says arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you rise To a new life. Shine. Be radiant with the glory of the Lord. For your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold. Darkness shall cover the earth. And dense darkness. All peoples. But the Lord shall rise upon you. And his glory shall be seen upon you. We're going to talk today about um, it's getting dark out there. <laughs> Anybody have any conversations just this week, just this week, about crazy stuff happening? 
I think it, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be unusual for a conversation like that to happen nearly every day because nearly every day something crazier ha is happening than has ever happened before and we're seeing things that we thought, how could that even be? And um, even things regarding children, you're thinking, how in the world can these things even be? And, uh, but we have a promise that when it's like that, dense darkness, the peoples, that there is the glory of the Lord that is rising on his people. All right? Let me give you another verse of scripture, and this is a quote uh, in, the math, in Matthew 4, 16. This verse of scripture is a quote from another Old Testament prophecy, but I, I like how it appears here in Matthew, the sixth chapter and verse 16, fourth chapter and verse 16. It says, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. Of course, this was speaking about the first coming of the Lord Jesus and the ministry of the Lord Jesus during those years that he was here, but Jesus is coming again. Does anybody in this room agree with that? Jesus is coming again, and this prophetic verse is applicable for our time, our time. And so we're going to look into 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 1 because in, uh, we want to see how these words apply to us today and then also Monday through Saturday. So it's not just a, Saturday, a Sunday promise. It's a life promise for us. 2 Corinthians 3, 1 to 3, it says, your very lives are a letter that anyone can read by just looking at you. Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit not chiseled into stone, but carved into human hearts and lives. Wow. All right. So as things are getting darker, and they are going to keep getting darker, there is, um, there is not any promise from the Lord Jesus that in this world, we won't have tribulation and that we won't have opportunities and situations and challenges. But what we do have from him is a promise that he has overcome the world. And the world that you and I are in is coming, and Tony's taught a lot about the cosmos, is coming to an end and it is getting darker. But you and I know that the darker it gets, that the stars that are also shining 24 hours a day, suddenly become visible. I remember the first time in Samoa, the first time that I got to go there uh, to minister in Samoa, we went down to the beach at night. They said, you have ab absolutely got to see this. And um, I was with some people that had also been, um, you know, that had grown up in America. And they said, you have never seen anything like this in your whole life. We went down to the beach. It was dark and looked at the sky. 
I have absolute, I didn't know stars were like that. I had no idea they were like that. I've seen stars ever since I was a little girl, fascinated with them, just loving the, the brilliance of them, but I had never seen them shine like they shone there. And the reason they shined so bright is because it was so dark. I'm telling you, all eyes are on the light. It's easy for us to say, and I've seen it even on bumper stickers before, don't look at me, look at God or look at Jesus. The thing about it is, is he's a spirit. People can't look at him. But they are going to look at the light. And Jesus said, not only the verse of scripture that uh, Caleb brought out in John the 8th chapter, that he is the light of the world. But Jesus said in Matthew, the fifth chapter, that we are the light of the world. So say this, I am the light of the world. So the darker it gets, the more we stand out. But how? What does that mean? I mean, those can just be cliche words. Literally, what does that look like? In Acts 17th chapter, in verse 28, it says, For in him we live and move and exist, the New Living Translation says. The verse of scripture that we read before in 2 Corinthians 3, it says that he has written in our lives. So God does speak. He gathers ecclesia or church means an ecclesia or a gathering or a called out group of people. When we come together like this, uh, we're in a building, but we are the church. And when we come together, the head of the church has things to say to us. But when we go from this place, he isn't mute in the, in the rest of the week. He still speaks. And this verse of scripture says he speaks through our lives. In him we live. He becomes the filter that we look at life through. If we were to look this way in this room... We're in this room. So in this room, if we look this way, we're going to see that wall. If we look all that way, we're going to see that wall and anything over there. If we look this way, we're going to see that wall. If we look back, we're going to see that wall. We're going to just see different aspects of this room because we are in this room. To live in him, then any occasion in life or whatever gives you just another aspect of him whatever is happening in the week or in your in in the world around us or in your own personal life or family life just gives you another opportunity good things give you an opportunity to look to him but i am telling you because not every, just every good thing has ever happened only in my life. Sometimes there's been challenges in my life. And those challenges in my life have also given me opportunity to look to him. How about you? So he becomes the filter that we actually live in and move in and have our being in, our, our existing in. We look at life through him. We don't want to underestimate the power of just existing. 
I'm talking about being the light of the world. Of just living through our life, through our life, there is a demonstration from God of himself. He demonstrates to a world who cannot see him because he is spirit. He demonstrates, and if you'll put that definition up, demonstration means to describe, explain, illustrate by examples, specimens, to manifest, to exhibit, show, to display. This is a dictionary definition of that word. Display openly or publicly to exhibit the operation or use of something. So if God wants to show and tell of himself, he does not only rely on the platform of a church building. He would be so limited if the only time he could demonstrate himself would be mashed into an hour and a half one day a week. It has never been his plan in this new covenant to be diminished to just this area and only at a certain time. He has literally decided to demonstrate himself through our lives that live 24-7 all over the city. So people who don't go to church have no desire to go to church. They don't even necessarily, they may not be Atheists, they may not even be agnostic, but they have no thought of God. God brings you into their world to demonstrate him. To manifest him. To show what he's like. What is his personality? The devil's sure not telling the truth about God, but God can bring truth through our lives and so our very life becomes a platform not just this piece of lumber on in this room disclose is another word that came up in my heart the definition of that is to make known that's us our life to make known reveal uncover to cause to appear allow to be seen to lay open to view. God meant when he wrote on our life, not just in the Old Testament, he chiseled in stone his laws and his rules, but in the new covenant, he wrote in our lives his sermons, his truth, his way. A platform, this platform gives us the ability to be able to speak to more persons <laughs> than just one. Or two, you know, there could be two or three people around you. But somehow, when people come to a platform, it has a presence that speaks to more people. Whoever can see that platform, it gives visibility. God's platforms are these kind of platforms in physical buildings, but he has chosen our lives as his primary platform. And not just one life, not just two lives, our 
our lives are that primary platform. He uses everything. He uses, he uses who we are, just even in the natural, as a man or as a woman, or he, he, uses, uh, he uses our marriages. He uses if we're single. He uses, he uses if we're a family. He uses everything. You say, but not everything in me has been glorious. He still uses that. He has the ability to take what the enemy has done on the platform of your life that is ugly and maybe broken your heart or, or been awful. He does a work and then that becomes a testimony of what he can do in somebody else's life. He changes the things that can make people into victims. And those very things he preaches off of and says they are more than a conquer. So yeah, there's grand and glorious and sweet and beautiful and, and lovely things that are on this platform, but sometimes because we're living in this world, sometimes there's all kind of other stuff. But that's what makes a true life in Jesus. It moves it from religion, what you can just construct and, and, um, and manipulate and make it look good to people, and, but it's not real deal. God moves into people's lives where they can't hide stuff. And he'll say, yeah, they can be the light. <laughs> doesn't make any difference what the enemies tried to do to snuff that out. I am in them. I am their glory. So today, we want to see that not only it is, you know, your, your strategized actions of when it's wonderful, but people also are viewing, whether we realize it or not, whether they, even they realize it or not, they're an audience to you. And they're looking to see how you act, how you talk, and how you react. You can construct actions, but reactions to negative things will set us apart in these dark, dark, dark days because our reactions don't have to be the same as somebody who doesn't have the light of life. It's important what we do. How we talk, how we treat one another. Titus, the second chapter, speaking just of women, it said how you, how you take care of your, that you take care of your home, how you, how you love your, your husband and your children can either honor God or dishonor the word of God. The way we live actually speaks louder out there than chapter and verse.
the, the platform of our life isn't like three points and different kinds of, you know, you know, whatever constructs into a sermon. The platform of our lives is a display of fruit when there are things that are acidic and awful and ugly that are presented, these fruit manifest the, be- the most beautiful. And these fruit weaponize your life against the enemy. I, I like that. It weaponizes your life. John or Romans, the sixth chapter and verse 13. Listen to this. Don't present the parts of your body to sin as weapons for wickedness, but present yourselves to God as raised from the dead to life and the parts of your body to God as weapons for righteousness. In the, in the, the Greek, this word, this Greek word in uh, some other translations is, is translated instruments. Your body is an instrument for righteousness or for, for wickedness. But it is also correct to translate that word a weapon. Well, we certainly don't want our bodies to be weapons for wickedness. But our bodies literally can be weapons for righteousness. Not by doing like karate chops and and slugging somebody. I'm talking about when the fruit of Jesus Christ is on display through you. It unravels the plans of the enemy. It can absolutely burrow through defenses in people's minds. Kindness will poke a hole. (laughs) Goodness will crash down walls. There's a small group in our, in our church where there's quite a, a number of them. Uh, but we were talking to this uh, small group leader on Friday, and he said that one of the best things that have happened, and there you have a wonderful family feel in this small group. And a young man said, who didn't have the blessing of having a natural family, it was more from a dysfunctional situation. He said to this, this home group leader, this small group leader, he said, I want a family like this. People have to taste and see that the Lord is good. Just saying God is good. Yeah, but what does that even look like? Our lives are to display and say, it looks like this. Um, I was, when we got back from um, the States, I went to a store uh, some days later that I have gone to before, and, um, and I did come to know the gals that, that work there. A couple gals, one, uh, they're both uh, Eastern European, and they have real strong accents, and, and so we've always engaged, and you know, we've, I, I like to talk to those gals. And um, anyway, they wanted to know about my trip, and, um, and I told them about my granddaughter. <laughs> of course, I did that. 
And um, I was so glad they asked. And um, then I, I was telling them about the end of my trip where I ended with my, my parents. And I said, you know, it was just at this twilight time of my parents. And, um, you know, I can tell my mama's getting close to the shore. And um, and my daddy too, but especially my mama. And um, I said, you know, it's just really amazing. My my mom, when she would walk across the floor in using her walker, my daddy would say, isn't she the most beautiful thing that you've ever seen? I said, and he sang cowboy songs to her and always telling her how much he loves her. And... Um, those ladies just went silent. They just stood there and looked at me. They said, you're kidding. I said, no, no. They said, we've never heard anything like that. No way. I said, oh, yeah. They said, well, I bet your husband doesn't do that. I said, well, he doesn't sing cowboy songs. <laughs> We moved to Bee Gees and <laughs> there hasn't, our homes haven't been free of drama, haven't been free of challenge, but when a home is full of Jesus, then even the challenges consort. We're not looking for human perfection but we are looking for what Jesus can do through a life. Amen? I was in, um, in the airport in uh, Orlando. That would be the airport that you would fly in or out of if you go to Disney World. Okay? But I was down there. Uh, Tony and I did some meetings in the States, and this was in Florida. And so I was flying out of Orlando. And um, the airport, uh, we were just waiting to get on the plane. It was just jammed with people. There were different gates, you know, everybody was flying out. My gate was flying out, jammed with people. And I found a place to sit down. It was right in the middle of the concourse in a, on top of a planter. It wasn't for sitting, but I made it my seat and I had to crawl up on it actually. I had to crawl up on there and there was a, a young, uh, prosperous businessman that was uh, standing there and he kind of laughed because I was jostling to get up there. He said, uh, he started talking to me about my, he said, well, you have to be in good shape to get up on there. And, and he said, you must be in your 30 some. I, and I thought, you're hitting on me. And I said, well, actually, no, I'm 64. He goes, no, you're not 64. You're not 64. I said, yeah, I am. He goes, how, how, how do you look like this at 64? See, I thought, you are hitting on me. So then I said, so then I said, because my husband is so good to me. I said, I have the most wonderful husband. Well, the next thing he said just shocked me. His eyes filled with tears. He ended up crying. His eyes filled with tears. He said, the lady that I've been living with for 10 years has moved out, and today she get, moves into another place. He said, my life is wrecked. 
He said, I don't know what to do. I'm flying home now and she's not going to be there. I don't know. And he, he, he was so heart-wrenching. There's people all around and this businessman is just crying. He said, can you help me? I said, I absolutely can help you. This has been so totally a setup. And I told him, you know, I said, God knew what I would tell you today. And he made sure there was a place right beside you for me to sit because he wants you to know. And so I started talking to him about the Lord, talking to him about Jesus. I said, can I pray with you right now? He said, please, begging, tears coming down his face, heaps of people all around, and he's not whispering. He said, please. I started praying. He reached out and grabbed both of my hands. We prayed that prayer right before getting on the plane. I didn't say, I didn't enter that conversation by saying, hello, sir. You know, John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. I didn't start that, start any of that conversation with a chapter and verse. What opened his heart is that it is a possibility for there to be true love. It rocked his world. That true love exists. He tasted it on the platform. I had been speaking in a church that morning. But he didn't eat from that platform. He ate from a platform of just life. Just living. Look at this verse of scripture in 2 Corinthians 3, 6. It says, he's enabled us, all of us, to be ministers of the New Testament or the New Covenant. This is a covenant not written with laws. Really? That's what the book says but of the Spirit, the Old Covenant, which is our Old Testament, which contains when the law was given, the rules were given. They're good rules, too. And it was real supernatural how they came. There's nothing wrong with the rules. They're really right. But the whole Old Testament is then a testimony and a story of how no one could do them. And the bondage is that they went in as a result. Not written with laws, but of the Spirit. The old covenant ends in death. Why? Because no one can do it. Some people can do some. But under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. The old covenant is about rules that can't altogether be followed and it ends in death. The new covenant, the spirit gives life. John, the first chapter in verse four and five, I don't have it on the screens, but if you could just listen carefully to this, it says, in him, Jesus, was life. Can you say that word life? And life was the light. So we're talking about 
it's dark out here, and we're the light of the world. Well, that light is the light of men. That life that's in Jesus is the light of men. And that light shines in the darkness, for the darkness has never overpowered it, put it out, or absorbed it. Nope, 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 nope. The darkness can never be so dark, and it is getting dark out here, but it will never be so dark that it puts out the light. The light has power, however, to drive back darkness. Let's look at some contrast between the Old and the New Testament, and I'm going to look at three different ways, contrast, because we're not ministers of the Old Covenant. We are not representations of Moses. We're ministers of the New Covenant, and we represent Jesus Christ. All right? So I want to talk about three different areas that the old contrasts the new so we can see how, how we give light in this dark place through our lives. The first thing that we want to see is that rules, if you'll put that up, rules are different than life. In the old covenant, it says that these rules actually ended in death. So rules are different than life. And we're ministers of this new covenant of life that gives light. In the Old Testament, Genesis, the, first, or the third chapter, there, was, there were two trees in the garden. You remember those two trees? God told Adam and Eve not to eat of one and didn't tell them they couldn't eat of the other. They could eat as much as they wanted. The first tree was of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. Notice there weren't two trees called good and the other tree called evil. One tree was the knowledge of good and evil or the rules, what, what constitutes this is right and this is wrong. He said, don't eat that. We've been professional at eating that ever since. Thank you, Adam and Eve. But it made it, they, they, they died. They spiritually died with that tree. The other tree was the tree of life. You can actually eat of that. And that life, that tree is empowering. 1 John 5 and verse 12 says, whoever has the son has life. Whoever doesn't have the son does not have life. But if you have Jesus as the Lord, as your Lord, you have life and you can partake of Jesus and it gives you life. It doesn't take something away from you. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, condemn or come down on you. It actually empowers and gives you life. The second thing is the rules are different than truth. They are true, but they're not the truth that makes you free. Hmm. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. There are people who know well what the rules, and I'm not just talking about the mosaic rules. All, all within humanity, there are all kinds of different rules. Those kind of, any kind of human construct or the rules from the old covenant, um, what, what, 
it doesn't make people free. It helps them to know that they are a sinner, that I can't do it. I'm a failure. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Titus 1 and 1 says this. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those uh, God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live a godly life. It doesn't say you've got to do this and you've got to not do that. What truth does is it shows you how and gives you power to do it. When we're showing and shining the light, we shine truth. Titus 1 and 10 says, For there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk and deceive others. This is especially true of those who insist on, insist on circumcision or keeping the law for salvation. It goes on to say in verse 11, They must be silenced. Really? Now, just to make sure you know, we're not against the Old Testament. We're not against the Old Covenant. Are you kidding? The Holy Spirit inspired that. Everything in the Old Testament, beautiful. However, it was to make a setup for the Redeemer of mankind to give us life and light. It says they must be silenced because they are turning whole families away from the truth. Ooh. That stuck out to me because the Lord has really put in my heart that God's help trying to help families. Families that are heavy with rules. Something happens with rules. There's a group of people with rules. Buck. Isn't it true? Any buckers in here? Anybody a bucker in here? Yeah, so we have some buckers. That when they get a rule, it's just like, you can't tell me what to do. So then we put, say, well, God said, and they said, God, God who? It, it doesn't, they're buckers. I can do what I want to do. Then you've got another group of people that aren't buckers. They're the compliant people. A rule comes, and they'll say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those people end up in pride. I didn't say that. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 said that. People that always do the right thing, they do the right thing, but out the corner of their eye, they're looking at the people who aren't, and they're going, you're an idiot. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you doing what you're supposed to be doing? The new covenant of how we get to shine doesn't lay the law down and it doesn't do this complying thing like we're holy. That isn't, that isn't the platform that the people are, they're looking at us and saying, ooh, I want to be like them. People don't want that. It's like 
gag 12 maggots. I just made that. I don't know what that means. But anyway, it's nasty. There's a higher motive for godly life that represents God. A motive. We find it in Romans, the 13th chapter, verse 8. It says, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in one commandment. Love your neighbor. The thing about the new covenant, it is not just a commandment. Love your neighbor. Oh, boy, that really inspires you. Love your husband. Love, or you're going to get it. Oh, wow. So that, that'd be like me telling Tony, you know, with my arm cranked around my, my back, okay, I love you, I love you. There's no joy unless it comes from within. Something about this new covenant doesn't just say everything that we're supposed to do right will end up being done right if we just, if we love. If we're motivated by love, we're not going to say mean things about people behind their back. We're not going to take advantage of people lying and stealing and, and being, trying to take their, their, their um, husband or wife. Just stupid stuff. We don't, we don't do that because we love people. We love them. And the love is our great motivation. And what's so amazing is in this new covenant, it isn't the law of love. It is the empowerment of love. You're in fellowship with Jesus. The love that's in him flows in you, and it just comes out on display. It enables, it enables this godly, demonstration of him. The last one where rules or where uh, the Old Testament differs from the new is rules are different than grace. In Titus, the second chapter, it says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Basically, it's saying all the things not to do and all the things that we're supposed to do, grace teaches us. Grace is an empowerment from God. It's an ability that comes from connection to Jesus, not a, just a Sunday connection, but a life connection to him. Titus, the second chapter, and verse 11 to 13 says, who gave himself for us, why? So that we can go to heaven. That's true. 
we do go to heaven, but that's not what this verse says. Who gave himself for us that we won't go to hell. That's true, but that's not what this verse says. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a special people zealous for good works. Jesus said this, you're the light of the world. Let men so see your good works. And that's not goody two-shoe things like I got to do some. That is being connected to Jesus Christ and what naturally comes out in your life is fruit, is good, is God. If you guys can come. It's going to get darker. I know that in my heart. You know that too. We don't like it, but we have that sense. But if you are following the light, you don't walk in darkness. Like that verse of scripture that Caleb gave today from John the 8th chapter. We don't walk in darkness. We have the light of life. We have life, and that life is the light. But it's not just so that we can be in the light and say, we're in the light, y'all are in the darkness. You know, it's not like that. We're just um, uh, hogging the light. No, he's got us on display. And the darker it gets, the brighter you're going to shine. And I'm telling you, people are looking at you. People are watching your lives. And the darker it gets, the brighter you're going to shine. What are they looking for? For you to just be, you know, just a fountain of scripture? Well, you have the appropriate scripture at the right time. What they're looking for is something that looks like him. He's true. He's love. He's life. He's full of grace. He can change your life because he changed my life. Praise God. I ask Andrew to sing. Um, this is a song, one of his songs. We've sung it for a long time. But I like the, the chorus of it. And I'd like us to sing it together with him. And um, Let's claim this. I just, I know that that word supernatural that I got at the beginning of the year is true. And when I see you, when I pray for you, I know he's setting you up in just regular life for supernatural works of God. Think about the miracles that Jesus did in the temple. And then think of the miracles and the signs and the healings that he did outside of the temple. Hallelujah. He lives in us. Go ahead, Andrew. It's your power. Your life. Working on the inside. Your love, your grace. It's your power. Given to me. Flowing through me. Your power. 
Tony gave an altar call and, um, and lots of people got filled with the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. But if you didn't come or weren't here or whatever, never to worry. We're giving you another opportunity. And Jesus said that the power of God would come on you to be a witness. That means sometimes preaching the Bible and pre preaching verses, but a witness that Jesus lives in your life. He empowers your life to demonstrate his life. Praise God. So if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit today, with this wonderful infusion of him, please come. We've got people who will be able to pray with you today. If you need God in your life, he wants to be in your life. So I invite you today, come. Come boldly. If you're with somebody today and they don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, tell them you'll come with them. Come and ask Jesus to come in your life. He won't barge, but when you invite him, he will come in and he will change your life forever. Praise the Lord. The third thing is if, if there's been a catastrophe on the platform of your life, you think, I don't know how God could ever get glory out of my life again. I just don't see how he could. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants to do a work on the platform of your life that will cause whatever the devil has done or life has done to be a part of a testimony. He wants to cause you to triumph in him. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.